There's two brothers, Christian brothers, facing death under Pakistan blasphemy laws. Even though the Pakistani government has stated that its blasphemy laws will not be misused, many innocent Pakistani citizens are languishing in prisons and new false cases of blasphemy are still being registered. Blasphemy charges are easily doled out in Pakistan and with little to no evidence, especially when levied against Christians. There's two Christian brothers, Amun and Kaisar Ayub, and they're currently on death row waiting for the high court to hear their appeal. The brothers are accused of posting blasphemous material on the internet. June 2011, a Muslim man told the police that he's browsing the internet. He came across a blog containing blasphemous material against Islam. Interestingly, the blog had also the name, the phone number, the email address, and the office address of the alleged author. The name listed was Kaisar Ayub, the older brother of the two Christian brothers. It's mind-boggling that someone living in a country where blasphemy carries severe penalties, even the death penalty, would post blasphemous material and provide his contact information to make it easier for authorities to find him. So based on the contact information listed, the police filed charges against both brothers and arrested them. Amun was arrested because his phone number and the office address was listed. None of that information, however, proves that either of the two brothers actually created the post. The internet is rife with false, defamatory information. Anyone can create a website or a blog, and anyone can post anyone's name. This is hardly evidence, let alone sufficient evidence to prove the, the allegations beyond the reasonable doubt. But the trial court disregarded this important fact and convicted Ayub brothers despite the lack of actual evidence showing that either Amun or his brother authored the blasphemous content that was posted on the blog. The court simply amused these facts and accepted those aren't facts. Oh, except that those aren't facts, and they mere, uh, they're just mere conjectures. Yet, they based, uh, based on these erroneous assumptions, the trial court sentenced both brothers to death December 2018. Their conviction in December 2018, our affiliate in Pakistan appealed the decision to the high court. After almost three years now waiting for a hearing, our affiliate recently filed a petition of suspension of sentencing the penalty on November 16, 2021. Without hearing the argument on the petition, the judges told our attorney representing Amun that they will be scheduled a hearing soon to hear the appeal instead of hearing the current petition. We expect the high court would schedule a hearing within a month or so. So we ask and pray that you would pray for wisdom protection from the judges, lawyers, for Amun and his brother and their families. This miscarriage of justice must be overturned before it's too late for these Christians. And that's from the Be Heard Project, the voice of the persecuted church, written, updated on November 22nd, 2021. We're waiting to find out what happens next. I read this because it's current. It's today. It's right now. These two brothers are probably rotting in a cell right now for being Christian, for being falsely accused of being a Christian. But when you hear news like this, which happens a lot more than we think, and maybe not even just news like this, but news even just like, you know, um, what happened with our country in Afghanistan and how they're, ISIS and Taliban, they're going door to door right now tonight looking for anyone that's a Christian so that they can murder them. Like when we hear news like this, and even news just like the news, the local news for, for us today, 
shootings and stuff like that or wh whatever. Like, what do you see? Injustice, yeah. Disturbing, yeah. But like, like, what do you, what do you, what else do you see? Like when you turn on the news, when you walk down the street, when you hear your friends tell you what happened and how, I was just sitting at a coffee shop today and I was just listening, I couldn't help it, they, they talk so loud, but there's a, a couple local girls in the back and they're just ranting on about their boyfriend, oh, you don't let him talk to you like that, you're a woman, blah, 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 and they're just go, and they're just raging, and then the boyfriend calls and, and she's like, oh, hey, baby, you know, and I'm just like, oh my God, you know, but, but when, you, when you're around in the world and, and all this stuff is happening, like what is it do we see? Because in Psalm 2, the Bible says the nations are raging and the people are plotting in vain. And they're plotting against the Lord's anointed. Who's that? Jesus. The Bible says that the wrestle, the war that we are at, it's not really flesh and blood. I might have heard a conversation of a, a boy and a girl and a girl and that and this and that, but what do I really see? It's not just relationship problems. This is not just a, two brothers that are wrongfully accused and on death row for almost doing nothing. There's a war happening. A spiritual war. A real war. And the enemy would love nothing more than for you to look around the globe and read news like this and just see the surface and just be, oh, bummers. Oh, I hope they let Amun out. There's a reason why there's so much hatred towards these people who call themselves Christians. Jesus says the world will hate me, and that's why they hate you. I titled tonight's word, Aware of the War We Are In, because I think when we, read, when we read a text like what we just read, if we don't realize the greater cosmic war that's going on, a, a, a text like this can be very just disturbing and puzzling and confusing. They're just trying to do right. They're just, you know, no, well, they're at war. Remember the vision that Paul had and the man in his dream said, we need help. Paul understood that, yeah, they need help because we're at war and they're in under the bondage of sin. There's, there's so much layers of spiritual oppression and, and, and slavery in this text, not just the slave girl. And you guys brought up a lot of it already. But what I hope is as we kind of walk through this is realize how deep of a spiritual bondage all these people are really in. We're getting a good taste of the whole town in this one text, not just the slave girl. The owners, the crowds, the magistrates, the government, it's all messed up. And Paul and the boys are called to go plant right in the thick of it. I hope and pray that tonight's text would not only make you and I a lot more alert and a lot more aware, but a lot more at peace, a lot more confident, because Jesus says beforehand, I tell you these things so that you take heart and have peace. Because I want you to know this. This war is real, Christian. The battle is hard, Christian. 
but take heart because I won. We're going to walk through this, and I hope to bring to life in the text the spiritual warfare that is at hand. Because perhaps maybe all of us tonight, maybe you don't have a spirit of divination in you, but something's either oppressing you or someone you love. It's all around us, guys. There is a battle right now for your attention. And Satan and the demons tremble thinking that you'll pay attention to any of this. Let's walk. Verse 16. As we were going to the place of prayer, Kaleo brought the observation. Interesting that it was on the way to prayer. Because what do we do in prayer? We call upon the name of the Lord. We beg for the spirit of God. Paul and the boys, and I love that they all went to the place of prayer. This wasn't just something for the apostle Paul. I'm going to go to prayer meeting. All right, Paul. Shoot, I'm in the kind. Check out Macedonia. You know, spark out the land. I'll see you after the prayer meeting. No, they all went to prayer. They, I mean, I just love that they were about prayer meetings. They went to prayer meetings. Why, though? Not because they're just spiritually religious and it's the right thing to do. No, these were men who were poor in the spirit. They were dependent. They were clawing for opportunities to pray with one another. No matter where they were, at home or abroad, they sought the place of prayer. Why? Because they were poor in spirit. They needed the spirit of God. Keep in mind, this is a spiritual warfare. And if there's any place for you to stay tuned and stay focused, it's the place of prayer. I wonder if so much of, our, so much of us are blind to the warfare at hand around us, to the souls that could die tonight or die tomorrow, and we had a chance, but we just missed it. Why? Because our eyes are blind. How do you open them? Get to the place of prayer. Call upon the name of the Lord. We were going. They were intentional. You won't accidentally go to prayer. You won't accidentally engage in prayer. Put prayer. You know, we, last week we talked about a devotional life. Yes, abiding in the word. I pray also that you'd renew in your hearts and minds a desire. How am I going to be devoted to prayer? And notice it was a place of prayer with each other. Corporate prayer. But it's not... I've been walking with the Lord for a few years now, or not a few, but however long, 34 minus 12. Um, and I've come to find this, that every time my heart desires to pray or get into the word, that's usually when something comes up. And isn't it interesting that on their way to the place of prayer, this happens. It's not surprising anymore. So don't be surprised when you was going to go pray with brother or sister or here or there and something comes up. Just don't be surprised. I love that this doesn't stop them, though, because the first thing we'll read of next week, they're on the way to prayer. This thing all happens. All town breaks loose against them. And the first thing they do when they're locked up, praying and singing hymns. That's verse 25. Couldn't keep these guys from the presence of God. I'm going to pray. They might be at the place of prayer or in prison, but I'm going to pray. Oh, God, give us such a heart. As we read on, keep this in mind. They were on the way to the place of prayer to ask for more of the Spirit, and then boom. I love how focused these guys are. So we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of 
divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. Okay, let's understand this a little bit better. So we were met. They, they weren't looking for this. It came to them. Um, slave girl. Notice this. She's physically in bondage and spiritually in bondage. She is a slave. She's being used as a possession. She's being oppressed and used. Start to build some compassion for this girl. Think about it. She's physically in bondage. And she has a spirit of divination. Now, if you study the Greek word, it's python. Python is like a snake. And so this is attributing to the Greek mythology in the day that's very normative. But this is a snake or a serpent or a dragon that is said to protect the oracles of, uh, let me see. I don't want to butcher the name. Delphic. <laughs> um, but... It's, it, it was also connected with the god Apollos. And so there's various variations of the myth. But nonetheless, we see, like, you know, some myths say Apollos destroyed the serpent. Others say, no, Apollos and the serpent were like one. And Apollos spoke through the serpent. Um, but people in the day, in the town, they believe this stuff. And they believe that this girl had the spirit of Apollos or that serpent and that she could tell them the future. That's why he gets the word fortune telling. But I love that Luke doesn't really spend too much business on this myth, but he does affirm this. She's spiritually oppressed. There's a demon in that girl. And he's like, whoa. That's intense. Well, it's real. Spiritual warfare is real. Now, I want to just show the many layers of this. I mean, it's not just the spirit of divination, but it's slavery, oppression. The owners saw much gain. The owners had a bad spirit in them. They cared more about profit than people. They didn't care about this, this girl. They didn't care that she was even a girl. We can use her, make some money. Yeah. You see the different layers of spiritual messed upness in this? But think about it. Is this not like today as well? People more about business and money than souls and people just, just consumed by the dollar. And if I can use someone or something to make it happen, regardless of them, I'll do it. Don't just see the slave girl here. See the spiritual warfare in this whole thing. Ephesians 6 verse 12 says this. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers and authorities and cosmic powers over this present darkness. That's this time against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. I'm simply praying that our eyes would be open to the many layers of the spiritual warfare that's not just present in the text, but today. There's so much, so much evil forces going on right now. And the temptation for us is to close our eyes and pretend it doesn't exist. To pretend two brothers aren't being on death row just for merely being Christian. To pretend sex trafficking doesn't exist. To pretend that all these things don't exist. To pretend that it's not on TV. 
It's just cute. It's not in Netflix. It's just a movie. No, do we see what's really happening around us? We are at war. But we don't want to fight the spiritual forces of evil with worldly weapons. We fight with the right weapons. 2 Corinthians 6 says it's weapons of righteousness. Chapter 10, verse 34, Paul says this, Though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. Notice that Paul and Silas, they didn't fight back. No, no, we never. (laughs) Disturbing what we did, what we did, huh? They're not fighting that way. They were silent. Interesting. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 through 18, Therefore we take on the whole armor of God. You fight right and you fight with the right weapons. The armor of God, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes, the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God and all prayer. Are you aware that we are at war? Because whether you're aware of it or not, it's happening. And it's not flesh and blood and people and governments. That's the enemy, really. It's greater than that. The Pakistani government and officials, the magistrates there, they're not the enemy. It's deeper than that. They're sinners in bondage to sin. And they can't see what they're doing is wrong. This real fight is a fight for the heart, the mind, and the soul. Do we know how to fight? Because this battle is real, guys. And we're seeing it in this town. Acts 16. Let's keep going. Verse 17. So she followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. I think Hannah brought this up, but yeah, it's a, I wonder how she said it. It's hard to, you know, was she saying it like mockingly? These are servants of the Most High God. You know, you know, these are servants of the Most High God proclaiming the way of salvation? Or was she like, these are servants of the Most High God? Because, like, you, you know, we don't, we don't know exactly how she was saying it. Or it was saying it. It was using the girl. But we see this. This girl is possessed by a demon. And the demon is speaking through her. And the demon is drawn to these guys and is following them. And it's saying, these are servants. Is that true? Yes. Of the most high God. Is that true? Yes. Who proclaim you the way of salvation. Is that true? Yes. So is what they're doing bad or good? I mean, why would this be annoying? Like, why is this demon jumping on the bandwagon of evangelism? What's this demon doing? But, you know, you got to think and, and pull into all the scriptures in effect of this very, this sounds very much like when Jesus' ministry on the earth, um, Jesus was encountered with many demons who would say truth. You're the, you're the son of God. The demon didn't deny the truth, but it's interesting. It did keep it general. This is the way of salvation. If, if you heard this demon saying this in the day, people are all, like Jared said, they're searching for some truth. They're, they're, they're welcoming this. They're, they're okay with like, oh, yeah, tell me the way of salvation. 
But what's the demon doing? What's really going on? Because even when we, re- we see, I'll give you some verses, Mark 1, 24 to 25, Mark 5, 7 to 8, Luke 4, 34 to 35, demons came to Jesus in his ministry and said truth. But what are the demons trying to do? Demons, guys, disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. And here's, I'm going to give you a bunch of these. To distort, to deceive, to discredit the gospel. The demon is disguising itself as a servant of righteousness. To distort, to deceive, and to, to discredit the gospel. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen says this. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants, the demons, also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Think about it. These guys are coming preaching truth. This demon was doing its thing with the whole fortune-telling thing, and it had the whole town in its clutches. So truth is coming. If I just pair up with it, can you imagine if, the, if you're a citizen of this town and you're going to Python, and then you, hear, you see the python or the, 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 the slave girl doing, teaming up with these, these apostles. What would you think? Well, they're together. You see how deceptive that can be? Distor- I think the demon is onto something or trying to get onto something. Let me, let, me, let me associate myself to distort the truth that these guys bring and to deceive the people that are there hearing. Because if I'm a citizen and I see this demon girl and these guys preaching and working together, I could be deceived into thinking, oh, maybe theirs is the way of salvation. There are cults today, guys, that have no problem dropping the name of Jesus. Oh, we believe Jesus too. Yeah. Yeah, we believe in the word of God too. And you see how distorted and deceptive that can be? Guys, we are at war. You need to be careful. You need to be keen. We need to be careful because Satan and his demons are going to masquerade like angels of light. This is why I love that every time a demon spoke when Jesus was on the earth, he rebuked them all. You're not with me. They're not with me. No, 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 no. And I think if they do that, they can also not just distort but deceive, but they'll discredit the very gospel that could save the souls. This demon does not want anyone in this town to know Jesus. And so it's not going to roll up and have a beef with Paul and Silas. It's going to roll up and be like, yeah, these are servants. The Most High God pro- proclaiming the way of salvation. Selfie. Follow them, us. Let's not be deceived. First John 4 says, don't believe every spirit. There's many false prophets that gone out into the world. We need to learn how to test them. But I do think it's striking that the demon can't deny the truth. The demon can't deny that these are servants of the Most High God, and they are proclaiming this, the, the real way. I, thought, I started thinking about this, and I was like, man, James says demons believe that God exists, and they shudder. And I started to think, man, I just, I pray that we would be so yoked in the spirit that even in the presence of demons, we carry the name of Christ. I have the Holy Spirit in me. I'm not going to be scared of no little itty-bitty evil spirit. This is a little sneak peek. Acts 19, we're not there yet. Don't turn there, well, you can turn there, read it later. Sons of Sceva, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this story. Paul came to town, actually, why don't we just read it? 
Go a couple pages, really quick. Acts 19, verse 11 to 20. We're talking about demons trying to be deceptive, disguising themselves to distort the truth. But this is just such a funny, story, great story. Uh, God was doing an extraordinary miracle by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away by the sick and their diseases left them and evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord, Jesus, over those who had evil spirits. So there's these guys that came and they're like, oh, we'll try this. In Jesus' name, get out. In Jesus' name, come out. And I adjure you that by Jesus whom Paul proclaims, verse 14, Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, okay, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize. But who are you? It's so funny. Paul, who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them. And so they fled out of the house naked and wounded. So the, the demon beat them up. But I thought to myself, oh my gosh. See, it's it's not about just saying, in Jesus' name, get out. It's truly having yourself in Jesus' name. Do you have the spirit of Christ in you? Is Christ really abiding in us? Are we truly Christians walking with the Lord? Do you know him? And if you know him, child of God, do you know who you are, child of God? Do you know the spiritual blessedness that you have in Christ? The confidence you can have in Jesus. To think, I will walk in the room, and if I'm truly a child of God, if there be demons in this place, they shudder, not because of me, but because of Christ, because of the Holy Spirit. This is a real raging war. And oh, to know, I was here earlier just praying with um, Irene, one of the sisters here, and we're praying for people that we're, we're, she's trying to minister to, and I just think to myself, man, we are really, like, we're soldiers together in this. We're really fighting the fight of the faith together. And I just look at her and I'm just so encouraged by her because, man, even though she's just begun to walk with the Lord, the Spirit of God is truly at work in her. And I believe all the darkness around her is scattering. And the people in her lives are being touched and, and just, they're seeing something in her. And I was encouraging her, telling her, it's the Holy Spirit, man. Demons will come, they'll disguise, they'll try to deceive, they'll try to weasel their way in. But if we have the true Holy Spirit of God in us, we don't have to be afraid in this fight, guys. Just ask, pray, Lord, please, let the true Holy Spirit abide in us this evening. Let's go back to Acts. Let's, let's bring this to a close. Verse 18. So she kept on doing for many days. She kept saying this. And Paul, having become greatly annoyed, and, you know, now I hope that, you know, maybe it was the repetition, but I think it was a number of things. Perhaps it was just like, man, I'm irked that I don't want anyone to think that we're together. She's not with us. She's not a missionary. Maybe he was just so spent, like, I'm tired of seeing this young girl being physically and spiritually just hammered. I'm done with this. I can't help. I, oh, nobody cares about her. We don't know, but we see a lot of this welling up, and Paul decides to, he says to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out, come out. And it came out that very hour. Simple, but see this. There's one name under heaven. There's one name that has the power to set a person free. One name. Acts chapter 4, verse 10 through 12 
Let it be known to all of you and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this man is standing well before you. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected and the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven among, given among men by which we must be saved. Ephesians 1.21, it is the name above every name that is Named. It is only by the name of Jesus that any spirit of divination, spirit of oppression, depression, oppression, whatever it is you might be tasting or seeing happening around, it's only by that name that anyone is set free. Whom the Son sets free, he is free indeed. I just want to sit with this girl, sit with her right now for a moment. Imagine all, being a young girl taken advantage of. You know, in this day, it, there's a good chance she was probably molested, too. That was normal. But just sit and imagine this girl being, for years of her young life, being just physically handled and then spiritually abused and used. And then in this very hour, it came out. Just think about it, how glorious this is. you got to sit and feel it. Just think. Because I think of the man that Jesus healed, and it says when he was, the demon came out, he was in his right mind. And I'm just imagining this young girl, just through the, the, the craziest of circumstances she's been through. And in that moment, Paul decided in Jesus' name, and Jesus came, and he touched her. One encounter with Jesus changed it all. It changed it all. And she's the second member of this Philippian church. Her, and a great contrast of the woman before her. Right? Lydia. Rich prominent woman. This girl, young, poor, nobody. Respected in the community. Taken advantage of. Why does Luke give such crazy stark contrasts of conversions? Because the power of the gospel is for all who believe. This gospel saves everyone into the slums and into the sex trafficking places, to Pakistan, to Nuuanu, to people who live on the higher crest. Everyone is a sinner in need of a Savior. And the Spirit of God is going out, saving, touching all. There's one name, guys. One name. You know many people, and they come from many different backgrounds. And you want to be a ministry, a minister to them, to him, to her? One name. One gospel, one faith, one power. Same Spirit that saved Lydia at a small group Bible study at the beach. Is the same spirit and power that saved this slave girl at this dramatic, intense exorcism. It's wild, man. Just be reminded. One name. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. I don't know if you know people today that are going through whatever it is they're going through. Marriage on the rocks or, you know, addicted to porn or... I don't know, whatever. It could be this or it could be something as major as they're just, they have cancer. All sickness, all difficulties. One name. The last verses, I'm going to read through it and just make one observation and we'll close. Verse 19. When her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers, and when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they're disturbing the city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept. And the crowd joined attacking them. The magistrates tore their garments off, gave orders to beat them. 
Verse 23, they inflicted many blows upon them and they threw them in the prison. They ordered the jailer, keep them safe. Having received this order, they put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Look at how much pain and suffering. Look at how much hatred on account of Christ. Dragged, beaten, thrown in stocks. Look at this, even the progression in just the people. It was started off with the owners, and then it was the magistrates, and then it was the, the whole crowd joined in. Guys, you and I live in a world that hates, hates, hates Christ. That sounds very strong. I get those words from Jesus. John 15 If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world will love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. Remember the the word that I said to you, a servant's not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll they'll also persecute you. Now, if you're like me, when I first read these kind of things, I thought, man, that is a hard truth to swallow. Why are you telling me this? Don't you want me to be a follower of Christ? Well, exactly. Jesus puts this all in the front, tells the disciples up front. Why? He's not trying to sell anything. He's not trying to deceive them. Well, one, he's telling us this straight up because it's true. And if you tell it straight like it is, no one gets blindsided. That's why these scriptures are so important, that the Bible is not silent about the persecution, that the world will hate us. He doesn't want us to be blindsided. He doesn't want you to get hit by surprise. You think the boys are flinching right now? It doesn't seem like it. Paul and Silas, them, they're not like, oh, no. It's almost like, yeah, we expected this. That's why we were holding off for some days, but here we go. Right? They look immovable, just firm. And three, why would God do that? Why would Jesus tell this up front that the world's going to hate you? Is so that you would actually have peace. Huh? Yeah. And courage. How? How, how is it peaceful and cur- How do you give me peace and courage if you're telling me the world's going to hate me if I bear this name on my back? Well, Jesus says in John 16, 33, I've said these things to you that in me you'd have peace. Not in the world. In me. Why? Because in the world, you will have tribulation, Christian. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. Guys, in this warfare, we're on the winning side. That, put, that ought to put steel in you, man. Like, we're on the winning side. When I pray for people, when I, when I engage into people's mess and their life and all the whatever is going on, it's like, but this is not us. It's not me. It's Christ he wins. He, he died and bled and hung and really did die and he really did rise. And he is with us. Don't forget that in the battle. Remain aware of the war that we are in. Fight right. Fight right. And fight with the right weapons. You don't bring a spear gun to a gunfight. No. You don't fight darkness with a bat. Someone turn off the lights. Get out of here, darkness. No, you don't. That's not how it works. You have to fight right. And you have to fight with the right weapons. Weapons of righteousness. The word of God in prayer. And the gospel of Jesus Christ. And remember this in the fight as we go 
to a close. Remember this, remember this, remember this, so that you can have peace and take heart and go to battle. He's already won. He's already won. Amen? He has already won. Father, it is no surprise that this journey, that this adventure is taxing and difficult. And there's no surprise that when it comes to doing the good that we ought to do, evil is right there with us. It's no surprise that to open the Bibles and to get into prayer and to go to battle, it's always a, a difficulty. But we're thankful for the grace you give us to press in, to engage, to go. We ask that you let us, God, let us suit up. Let us get the full armor of God on. Let us go to battle. You have won. And it's only by your grace and your power that we can keep fighting. And so I pray that brothers and sisters this evening would be strengthened and encouraged in Christ. They'd take heart in you. That as people come to their minds that perhaps they've been praying for or ministering to, that it's just burdensome, the circumstances that some people are going through. We even think of our two brothers right now in Pakistan. We pray for them, Lord. We pray that you would move mightily and you'd, op- you'd set their chains off, Lord, and you'd set those guys free. And that that would be a testimony of your grace and power. But we pray, Lord, that we would keep fighting this way. I pray that you'd move in brothers and sisters to figure out how are we going to stay alert? How are we going to stay awake? Because it's going to be so tempting to go back to sleep and, and just pretend like none of this is happening. It's happening. And we just pray that we'd see it. Don't let us turn away. Don't let us close our eyes. Don't let us be delusional. Open the eyes of our hearts, Lord. We need to see this, but we need to see that the victory is yours. Death, where's your sting? It's gone. The victory is yours. We love you. We love that you are our Lord, our commander, our chief, our king, and so we follow you into battle. We're not just saints. We're not just citizens. We are soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now fill us up and send us out, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen.